Hey guys, before we get to the show today, I want to remind you, if you are enjoying Ghost Facing It, even if you're not enjoying Ghost Facing It, please like and review us uh, and share us on social media. Like I said, even if you're just like, hey, I don't really like this show, tell people about it. Tell people about Ghost Facing It. Like I said, share us, like us, review us. It does help and it does, it helps get ghost facing it bigger out there you can also follow me on twitter i am at coco underscore blinks which is a long story um i talk a lot about movies there as well like an annoying amount of movie talk on my twitter but yes uh like share review ghost facing it it would mean the world thanks guys and now on to the show let's talk about films and shit Hey guys, welcome back to Ghostface and the podcast where I talk favorite films with some of my favorite people and we are actually doing a quarantine edition. So all this month, uh, I'm going to be bringing you uh, conversations on movies that are perfect to watch under the quarantine and none of those like, you know, kind of scary, sad quarantine movies. We're doing fun quarantine movies, at least as fun as they possibly can be. And uh, today I am talking with my brother again. Uh, Lucas, how are you? I'm back which is great for you. Um, Yeah, I'm good. In this coronavirus time, I'm uh, handling it pretty well. How are you? Good. I'm good as well. Um, (laughs) Obviously, we're, uh, we, with the podcast anyway, we're set up from home. We're doing the stay at home, which everybody should be doing. Um, But let's, what, what, what quarantine movie are we talking today? Um, We're going to be talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp. And I think, this is just a fun movie to watch, but I think the reason uh, we've chosen it for this is because he's quarantined for a bit because he's actually like, he's, what's it called? He's like, um, he's under house arrest. He's under house arrest. I was going to be like, he's self-prisonered and that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, he's under house arrest. And so he has to come up with some ideas to do while he's at home. Yeah. So actually, once we get into, so this month with the movies we're choosing, we're choosing fun movies that at some point someone has is either forced to stay home for an extended period of time or there's a situation similar. Again, we're trying to do fun movies. So we will get into later how Scott actually ends up spending his house arrest, which is actually it's very funny. It's um, just a whole new new um, addition to the show, isn't it? It whole is. A new this, segment. I was about to say, this This is a... Uh, It'll 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 spice up ghost facing it a little bit, I think. We'll see. Hopefully. Spice it up. Spice it up with with, with a very kid-friendly Ant-Man and the Wasp. Actually, a lot of the movies that um, I'm hoping to do this month are very kid-friendly, except for one so far. But even then, it's still fun. So we're going to spice it up with kid- PG spicing it up. Cool. <laughs> PG spicing it up. Um, Lucas, before we get started on the ways that uh, you can follow Scott Lang's example in this self-quarantine and just the MCU in general, because I thought we'd talk a little bit, because I actually haven't had a conversation with you yet about the MCU, and we both like the MCU. Yeah, it's sort of, it's cropped up in some of our conversations, but not really about the films, just about the impact, I guess. So yeah, exactly. it's interesting going into it. It will be. Uh, but before we get to that, um, I'm going to have you do the 30-second summary of Ant-Man and the Wasp. Are you ready for that? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Do you want me to count you down and lead you in, or do you just want to go? I think you can count me down. It makes it seem a little bit more prestigious. All right. 
Let me know when you're ready. I'm I'm ready for the countdown. All right, in three, two, one, go. So after the events of Civil War, um, Ant-Man is under arrest because he helped Captain America, who's a fugitive, so he's in house arrest. And um, the Wasp, uh, Hope, is mad at him because he stole a suit. And then he has to leave house arrest because um, the Wasp needs his help to get her mom back. And these other people want um, her mom and like the suit and this lab that they're in as well. And it's just this fun little uh, heist movie. I can't go through all the events because I realize I'm running out of time. I think this is the worst 30-second yeah, summary I've ever done. Time. Lucas, I was about to say, you were like a pro at the 30-second summary. Yeah, I know. I, but... I got so caught up in what happened before. That's the curse of the MCU. You can't just, can't just start. It's not just a movie, is it? I was about to say, because the, the only other MCU movie I've really talked was uh, back when I did Spider-Man uh, Far From Home with Emily. And she kind of said the same thing because her like it's it's hard to do an MCU thirty second summary because there's a lot because the movies rely heavily on other films and you kind of have to explain those before you get to here. Yeah, <laughs> so especially it's just like, the especially the like Phase Three and after ones like Phase Two really led into it, but with Phase One, I think you can sort of explain those as like self isolated ones, but like the MCU like prides itself on being one big story, so it's like contingent on you knowing these things from previous movies exactly um, um and before we go i do want to elaborate on something that you said in the 30 second summary uh lucas let's let everybody know where they are rescuing um hope's mother from my mom is in the uh quantum realm i think it's called so um <laughs> in the first movie you see that um she well actually you see it in the beginning of this movie as well um her and the original ant-man hank pym are trying to stop this missile from hitting florida i think and um, she phases into it and shrinks so small that she goes, like, quantum. And she blows up the missile, but she's lost. And then um, Hope and her dad, Hank, think that they finally found her. And they only have a certain amount of time to get to her. And um, Scott's having these visions of the mom because he went into the quantum realm at the end of the first movie. So it's a lot to explain. It is. Yeah, I was about to say, I mean, I'm telling you, and I, I do agree with you, I think these later MCU, uh, the, in the Infinity Saga, these later MCU films, there's just a lot. There's a lot you have to yeah. do. The sequels very much rely heavily on their first films um, and the other surrounding films. And actually, this film came out after Infinity War, so we had the snap that Thanos does in half half of the universe's population disappears and this movie's a lot of fun and then one of the post credits i think the post credit scene is uh hank hope and uh michelle Pfeiffer. i cannot remember her janet right yeah janet janet they all end up disappearing and um scott becomes trapped in the quantum realm uh which leads into endgame uh obviously yeah. because scott everybody thinks scott disappeared with the snap but he did not so he did not yeah Scott's a very um, big player in Endgame. Yeah, before we go into like the actual story, it's just it's weird when this movie came out as well because it came out right after Endgame, but the events of it like take place at the same time. I guess it was kind of weird because everyone was left on this huge cliffhanger, and uh, sorry, not Endgame, Infinity War. Um, and when Infinity War came out, everyone was left on this huge cliffhanger, and I remember that everyone was like, "Oh, that's cool, but depressing." Like they were like impressed that marvel had done that and they were like i don't really know what's going to happen next and it was sort of weird to have this movie be the only mcu movie like in between them well actually there's um captain marvel as well i'm i'm all messed right. up today aren't i but hey, like hey, i think it's crazy times lucas yeah but because 
it was weird having this movie come out, but also sort of refreshing that it wasn't just an exact lead on of what was going on. I was about to say it was super nice, like after Infinity War, like getting to see this because it was a breath of fresh air. And like you said, this is a fun heist movie. Um, they're able to shrink. Uh, Hank and uh, Hope are able to shrink their van and the building that they're actually testing everything in, which leads to a really fun car chase uh, through San Francisco later in the movie. Um, you also have uh, uh, Luis, who is played by. Um, Michael Pena, who always does those summaries, which are, I think, some of my favorite things in the entire MCU. Um, and it's, I mean, he's just so fun. I actually, someone online was like, he needs to do a recap of everything that happened, like, for the next phase, because we've gone past the Infinity Saga. And I think that would be very funny. I don't know if that would actually happen, but it would be yeah. very funny. Um, yeah, I think that, like, that's one of the special things about, like, the Ant-Man franchise. It's not really a franchise, but um, I like that they're more lighthearted and more like funny than most of the MCU films. It helps set them apart a little bit. And that their stakes yes. aren't usually as high as the other ones, which I personally like. No, because even in the first movie, the stake I mean like you said, they're they're relatively they're big stakes for the character, but they're low stakes for the for for the world and for the universe. So like the first film you have they're trying to uh keep the Ant Man suit secret. Um, as well as stop uh, Yellow Jacket is the bad guy in that one, is stop another suit from being created, basically. Yeah. Um, and this one, again, is just, they, they, the, literally the plot is everybody wants to get something from the quantum realm, but it's for their own devices, because there's no real bad guy in this movie, which is interesting. Yeah, I like there's that. There's no, like, as, villain. I like that there are, like, yeah, they're not villains, but there's like two sets of antagonists, and you can clearly see why they are doing what they're doing. And like Lawrence Fishburne as well, who helps out Ghost, you can see that he's not like a bad guy, but he's just trying to help save this person. And I really right. like that, that it, especially after the MCU has received so much criticism on their villains, even though recently they have been a lot better. I liked that there was this really like realistic take on it, and that it wasn't just like, I'm the bad guy and I'm going to try to hurt you. It was more like, we all want something from each other. And they do right. sort of like work with each other and then work against each other, which is a classic like crime heist movie thing. So I'm glad that they put that in there as well. Well, it's it's also fun because it very much plays on the enemy of my enemy is my friend because you do have these three different groups trying to get this. Because um, Walton Goggins plays a businessman who just, I think he wants, he wants the Ant-Man suit, right? I just watched it, but I can't actually remember what Walt Goggins. <laughs> uh, this is movie? so bad. Um, I've, no, I've, I've definitely wants, seen this movie. He wants the um, laboratory, I think, after um, right. after Hydra and Shield have like been Glass. destroyed. He wants to use it to sell it on the black market. I don't think he cares about the Ant Man suit. No, and Walton Goggins is a lot of fun. Walton Goggins is a lot of fun in a lot of things, but he's he's very fun in this movie. I mean, this movie is just like it. It is a breath of fresh air, especially if you watch it in the order it came out because it's just kind of like and that's how the first ant-man was as well and actually i kind of want to get into that a little bit where do where does this movie and the first ant-man rank for you in the mcu um i do i do um because uh i'm one of these people before endgame came out me and my friend um rewatched all of the mcu movies and actually like rated which ones we liked more i wouldn't say okay. that this is like one of my favorite ones but it's definitely, like, above the middle. Like, I really enjoy it, but it's not one that I frequently rewatch. I think I've seen it about four times, and the ones that I've really liked I've probably seen, like, 20 times. 
Lucas, what do you think your top three MCU movies are? For, for Especially because we've wrapped up the Infinity Saga. So your top three of the Infinity Saga, um, what do you think they are? I I really like um, Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2. Um, and I really like Endgame. So probably probably those, those three. three. Yeah. Well, um, where, where do you fall? Where do you fall on now? Everybody, uh, we've had this discussion before, but I do kind of want to talk about it on the podcast. Where do you fall on the Captain America trilogy? Because everybody says that's the best trilogy of this MCU, and they also say it's probably one of the better trilogies just in general. Yeah, I mean, I I like all of the Captain America movies. I know everyone, um, even in like um, at in college, we like studied the Winter Soldier and how it changed uh, the MCU and like cinema um which i think i really like the winter soldier but i think it, people do overplay its significance a lot because when you rewatch it it's like it when you first see it you're like oh my god all this stuff is happening but then when you see it it's like it's actually it had this really interesting premise of being able to like make captain america question his position in a new world um and like right. how modern warfare is a bit more complicated than it was in world war ii but then it sort of switches back and it's like, no, it just is the Nazis again. He's right. And it's like, cool. So I think I have that. I don't have that. It's not a problem that I have with Winter Soldier. I just don't think it's as complex as some people say it is. I really like, um, I like Civil War. Um, I think there's also some issues in there, but I do enjoy watching it. And like the fight scenes in that are a step above most of what the MCU is. Um, but I, I find Captain America as a character quite self-righteous, so I think um, that might lead into it as well. That might make some bias on against him. Well, I will say so, I, and I don't, I don't want to bring uh, Bucky fans down on us, but Lucas, me and you are not as huge fans of Bucky as a lot of the internet is. I, I don't mind Bucky, I like at all. He's okay. Just, he's okay. Just, it's just he's been in like, I don't know. I'm, I mean, the numbers obviously wrong. He's been in like five or six movies and. He's probably had about like fifteen to twenty minutes of screen time, so I don't feel like I like know him at all. I like his bond with Steve, but I don't like that Steve justifies doing like betraying his other friends for Bucky, even though they did have that nice relationship because they haven't I don't think the MCU ever put in enough work to establish that relationship well enough, and I fully appreciate people that like the relationship because it is a nice relationship. I just wish we saw more of it so I could be invested in it. And I think especially Civil War, you were supposed to feel like there was rooms on both sides. And I know a lot of people aren't Team Iron Man. And I'm usually not on the team that's like, yeah, just do what the government says. But it seemed like he was trying to do what would help everyone, whereas Steve seemed kind of uh, selfish about it. So that's just my no, opinion. I, I think you summed it up pretty well. I, I, I will say also, yeah, me and you were Team Iron Man. Um, well, I mean... He, he's dead now, so... Spoilers, friend game. <laughs> spoiler, we're just going to spoil everything. Uh, spoiler alert, Tony's dead. Endgame's Natasha's been, dead. This is insane. <laughs> Endgame's been out for like 11 months, almost a year now. So if you haven't seen it, you're probably not going to watch it. I was going to say, if you and, haven't seen it, you are the one person that didn't see it. Because I think everybody saw that movie. And now we're living in Endgame, so that's fun. <laughs> yeah, this is, yes, that Endgame is like the one of the sad quarantine movies. Oh, the, but, dolph the dolphins have returned to Venice. <laughs> yeah, oh, isn't that Lucas? At least something good's coming out of this. <laughs> um, so actually, let's let's get this back to uh, the reason we chose this movie. So uh, Scott is obviously under house arrest. Uh, so Lucas, let's go into a little bit about how Scott spends his house arrest because there, it's pretty funny and it is 
a good good suggestions for things to do if you get bored. Yeah, the thing that I found um funny about Scott being in house arrest, and obviously this is just to make the movie more entertaining, is like um he obviously has the internet, but he doesn't spend most of his time like watching things, which it seems like most people have taken this quarantine opportunity to like binge watch a bunch of stuff. But yeah, he like I think he like learns close up magic. He um makes this huge box fort. And uh, I think they're like, oh, you take a weird amount of baths as well. So uh, I don't know what that implies. Um, I'll leave that to the listener to uh, discern what that means. Um, Andy also I think, has, it, um, I think it may be something disti- distinctly like not PG, PG-13. I, you know, it's, it's not for me to say. Um, but uh, he also like, I think he plays like the drum kit as well. And then later you see like the ant playing it. So there's, there's a lot of shenanigans going on. We, we really uh, like the close-up magic. Because um, uh, Randall Park's character is so like fascinated by it, which I find really funny. Yes, and actually, they cut. Yeah, Randall Park's really funny in this one because he's the he's the FBI agent that comes to like he's basically Scott's parole officer, so he comes to check on Scott, and so Scott shows him like the close up magic, and then like at one point, Randall Park's like, "So can you tell me how you did it?" And I think Scott even thought it was like how you like stole the you know the Ant Man. I almost said Iron Man suit, the Ant Man suit. Um, and he's like, no, the close-up magic. And then there's a scene later where Randall Park's on his computer looking up close-up. It's very yeah. funny. It's a very funny, like, running gag. Um, I actually wrote down everything that Scott did because I rewatched the scene right before we started recording because it's very funny. I recommend watching the whole movie, obviously. But if you want to know Scott's, like, house arrest uh, tips and tricks, he learns close-up magic. The, he has the drum kit. Uh, he reads The Fault in Our Stars, so reading. That's another great one. And he's, he's crying because The Fault in Our Stars is sad. Uh, is he it? does take, he do, he takes a bath. It is sad, Lucas. It's a cancer book. Yeah, it is sad. <laughs> that was just me being a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he does indoor bowling, karaoke, origami, and learns some trick shots with a toy uh, basketball hoop. So, if you need to be inspired during this quarantine... There's a lot of there's a lot of suggestions there. There is, uh, but also whenever Scott goes outside, he also covers his mouth because he usually is in the Ant Man suit when he is out of house arrest, which which he's not supposed to be. Which is another fun uh, like element of this film of him trying to get back because he does have a uh, he has an ankle bracelet that tracks him. Which I think Lucas, you said they end up putting a, on one of the ants. Yeah. Um, so I like, I like how you were just slipping in the cover your mouth thing. <laughs> well, you know what? If you're going outside, which you should not be doing, um, you know, you should stay home unless you're, you know, run to the grocery store. Make sure you make sure. Hey, cover your mouth. Make sure you sneeze, cough near your elbows. Hey, listen, Where this you... is also a PSA on how to how to live your best. Yeah. Uh... I'm sure that's why people tune in. Make sure to wear your uh, Ant Man helmet whenever you go outside. Hey, you know what? It's not the worst idea. I think I think the MCU owes it to all of us to give us all Ant Man suits. Wouldn't that be cool? Um, maybe. I see. I think it could cause a few problems. Would you? So, would uh, here we'll we'll do this. What do you think? Who do you think has the coolest costume in the MCU, Lucas? And then whose cost? Whose like costume is cooler? Wasp or Ant Man? Um, I don't know. I think. Uh, I don't know what the coolest costume in the MCU is. I did uh, go through a phase of trying to dress like Star-Lord quite a bit, um, which is embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I quite like... Um, all the costumes in the MCU look really similar. I quite like... 
um, like the realistic um, vulture suit that they made for um, Spider-Man Homecoming. That was pretty cool. That one's pretty cool. What about you? What's your favorite? I do like Star-Lord's costume. Uh, I did not try to dress like Star-Lord, although Lucas kind of in that similar vein when I was really into Firefly. I tried to dress like I was part of that world, so that's another embarrassment. So apparently me and you, like, if we just like some aesthetic, we're like, that's what we're going with. To be fair, Firefly and Star- like, Star-Lord wears a leather jacket, and I wore a leather jacket, and Firefly, they wear, like, pretty much normal clothes. So it's I don't think it's that embarrassing, but maybe it is. Oh, I mean, I, t- I took it a step further because I was really into Firefly when I went to college, so I tried to take up Mandarin, which is hard, uh, so I had to drop that class. Yeah, uh, you, but it, you did do that. I, I remember did. that. So, just if, if we're sharing embarrassing um, periods, I mean, my I've I have many embarrassing periods in my life, but that's uh, that's one of them. Well, Tony, um, the, Tony, the joke's really on them because you don't need to speak to anyone now because you're in self isolation. So that's you, true. You won in the end. I did win in the end. Yeah. Ha ha, everyone. Who's who's laughing now? I certainly am. I, well, Lucas, you're always laughing, so uh-huh. always laughing at me. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I've probably Star Lord. I, I like Star Lord. Um, I mean, any of the Iron Man suits. I think. Any those of are, them? I, I, well, I like the uh, the what is it? Extremist suits, the ones that can just build around him. I yeah. like those. That's fair. I like so. um not this is literally not an Iron Man podcast, but my um personal favorite is the one from Iron Man Two where it looks it's like a briefcase. For some reason I'm like That's Oh, the funny. football. That's funny. Can I just I would like to I well, you know what? We're we got the time. We're in self isolation. Um I do want to talk oh I I heard there was a debate, I don't know if you saw on Twitter about what was the worst uh MCU movie. Did you see that? No, I'm I'm not really on Twitter anymore. You're probably it's probably for the best that 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 site is a hell site. I love it, but it's a hell site. Uh, and film Twitter is just especially horrible sometimes. Um, but they were trying to say that Iron Man two or Iron Man three that was like a lot. Those got a lot of votes for the worst MCU movie, though. I think Thor: The Dark World ended up winning. Yeah, I think a lot of people. Um agree on Thor the Dark World. When I rewatched all of the MCU movies, actually, it was nice because I got to watch the um, second and third Iron Man movies for the first time probably in about like three or four years. And um, I remember thinking, like feeling fondly about Iron Man 2 and I wasn't that impressed by it. But I know when it came out, I was like, when did it come out? 2010? I was like 13. And like that was, I was like really, yeah, I was like really obsessed with that for a summer. And I remember being like really impressed by Mickey Rourke. And then uh, when I watched it again, I was like, Mickey Rourke's still pretty cool, but he's barely used in it. And then like the rest of it's interesting, but it feels a little bit like rushed. But Iron Man 3, I think, is a pretty good film by itself. I see why a lot of people don't like it because of the Mandarin thing, but I have no personal attachment to the Mandarin from the comics. So I liked it. (laughs) Well, that was Iron Man. I mean, Iron Man 3, we got a Shane Black movie. And... You know what I mean? Like, I don't really want to, I can't complain about it because it is a really great movie and I really like Shane Black and I like his writing and that's what we got. So it even takes place at Christmas, which is a Shane, Shane Black uh, staple. Um, yeah. I will say, I'm kind of like, I'm with you a little bit on Iron Man 2, though I really love it more for Sam Rockwell, um, who never showed back up as Justin Hammer, who I always really loved. 
Um, I really like Sam Rockwell in in that in that film, but I think like kind of like you said, like the rest of it, they kind of I think Iron Man Two is a good a good example of kind of what 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 the MCU struggles with, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, I think the the case that it always is with the MCU with me is that the actors the acting is always good. Um, so I'm always impressed by like the characters and the actors and stuff. Um, but I think Iron Man Two has this issue of like there are the two villains, um, but they're like I like the fight in Monaco, and that's why I like the briefcase as well, and that makes sense, and that, that has a lot of motivation behind it. But then it sort of the end fight's a little bit weirder. But I think as well they were trying to set up the Avengers in Iron Man Two, which isn't necessarily a problem, but they didn't focus enough on it. So it did feel like it was just there, and I know that's like one of the reasons. Um, I think that like John Favreau sort of stepped back from directing them as well. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, because he was he because I think in Iron Man two we see Cap Shield for the first time, and I think the post credit scene is in New Mexico, uh, where uh, Thor ends up, where the hammer ends up landing in New yeah. Mexico. Um, because what the only other movie I think that had come out with the MCU before Iron Man 2 was Incredible Hulk, which had Ed Norton in it, um, which yeah. obviously they ended up replacing him. Um, Iron Man 2 is also interesting because they ended up replacing Terrence Howard with Don Cheadle, who's obviously been roadie for the rest of the, the rest of the films. Yeah, he's been, been 10 years. Yeah. Oh man, the, that's like, uh, well, I think the first Iron Man came out in 2008. Yeah. It's just weird to think like it's been like twelve years. So like that's I think that's why Endgame was so huge as well. And um, I said this to a couple people last year. Like I don't think we're gonna ever see anything like that in a very long time because it really was that slow build uh, yeah, to get I, to Endgame. Not not to turn the. I mean, we've turned this into just a bigger MCU discussion now. So why not? Um, I think that's a lot of people were interested as well because they were interested if the mcu could sort of sustain itself after endgame and it seems it's... like a lot of people's opinions have been like everyone really like i don't know anyone that didn't like endgame maybe i don't know many people but um i think some people are like that's that was a good ending i'm i'm done with it now but it's, it'll be interesting to see what the mcu becomes after especially like now after coronavirus as well we don't know what anything well, gonna be like <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this just in general, this whole situation, the coronavirus situation has just, it's, I think it's definitely going to shift the entertainment industry um, in a big way. I think theaters, I I saw an article this morning that were like, theaters won't bounce back from this, but I think they will, um, especially Disney's really banking on theaters uh, bouncing back because instead of putting Black Widow on Disney+, Plus, they pushed it to November for a theatrical release, but I think... I don't know. I think, I mean, but you know, they also just released Onward, which was just in the theaters this past weekend. They put it on Disney Plus. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see. I'm still waiting. I think, and I said this to a couple people that I worked with as well, I think New Mutants is probably going to go on to Disney Plus or they're, or that's going to be Disney's first movie back to test the waters for theaters is what someone at work was saying. And I agree with that. Maybe. I mean, New Mutants is like its own special case of... Uh, New Mutants is never getting released. So it's just like, we'll it's one of those things that. like you thought it was coming out. Yeah, we'll see <laughs> it's not. It. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see where the MCU goes. Um, shall we Shall we segue back to the movie that we were supposed to yes. talk about? Sorry, yes. <laughs> I know, we got, uh, but you know what? I like talking the MCU, and like I said, um, 
there's only been other one one other MCU movie that I've done, which was with Emily, which we had a great time doing Far From Home, which that feels it that only came out last year. That actually is the movie that tied up the Infinity Saga, which is really funny that it was an endgame that concluded with you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like I mean that's sort of similar to like the Ant Man movies taking place at the beginning or end of phases. Like because they're connected but they're also their own thing. It feels right. To me, sometimes it sort of feels like anticlimactic to be like, oh, that's the end of that. Like, I like the to think like, oh, Endgame's the end of the Infinity Saga and Spider-Man's just his after journey, that sort of thing. Right. right. Um, but also another reason to I, actually, I, I highly recommend both the Ant-Man movies because I, I rewatched both of them. Um, they're just like you were saying earlier, they're just fun um, I I noticed I was doing kind of a low key MCU rewatch, and I noticed especially after uh, Age of Ultron, um, the MCU movies, besides like Doctor Strange and Guardians, which came in after those Avengers films, um, they got very not serious, but they were less fun than they used to be. If that makes sense, like it, it is more when you continue on with the story. Obviously, you can only have happily ever after so many times. Uh, which sometimes like it happens and you're just like, ah, oh, maybe we should have just stopped with this. But I think the MCU did it in a really good way, but it's nice to watch like Ant-Man and Guardians of the Galaxy because they are that breath of fresh air that like, hey, you know, like we could still be, but not that, I, I feel like I'm wording it wrong because not that the other Avengers movies aren't fun, but they are, they do tend to lean more on the serious and darker side yeah, well, I as think... dark as the MCU will go. I think with the, it's mainly the, like, Avengers movies that I think you're talking about, and with them, yes. there's so much, the whole, like, point of that group is that, like, they don't really fit together, but they still are able to, like, overcome that and work together, and I think a real strength of the MCU is that they had the conflict between those characters drive those films, so they feel more serious, as you say, and more, like, a little, it's more emotionally taxing, because it's not someone fighting a bad guy, um, like, specifically Civil War, and bits of Infinity War and bits of uh, um, even Spider-Man Homecoming when you see Iron Man there having his own like personal problems I think having um, Tony and Steve at that in that conflict makes it feel more like melodramatic and serious which is nice but it is also nice to have the other films not be involved in that right well and that's like and like kind of like you were and it, it does go I think I think it's mainly in that post Age of Ultron movie. I think that I think Kevin Feige and the people at Marvel. I think they also kind of felt that. So I think it's. I think that's why like movies like Guardians got greenlit and Ant Man, which um, especially the first Ant Man was originally um, going to be done by my favorite director Edgar Wright, and he did he did some of the story, and you can actually see kind of Edgar Wright elements in that first film. But Peyton Reed um, and Paul Rudd, I think, wrote this. Ant-Man and the Wasp, and they, they, they've done a wonderful job continuing that fun feel of Ant-Man. Yeah. I don't think we're ever going to get, like, a dark Ant-Man movie. No, and fine. I don't know I if don't we're ever, I don't know if we're ever going to get another Ant-Man movie, to be honest. Um, but... Oh, they just added a Rick and Morty writer for Ant-Man 3. Oh, cool then. Um, he's, he's working on the script. Can't remember his name. I do not know. But yeah, it's cool that... I... Uh, it's cool that they oh, try to, I think in the beginning they had everything very uniform and they needed that to make the foundations, but it's cool that they've branched out. And speaking of being a little bit different with Ant-Man and the Wasp, it was cool that they tried to make a movie that was 
um, rather than just about like one hero or two movie. This is really about both Ant-Man and the Wasp, and they are treated as equals, which I appreciate yes. about the movie. Yes, and I also really love, uh, which I know because there's controversy with anything, um, I really love the poster for this because the way that they pose, uh, pose Hope and Scott on the poster, um, Scott is kind of in the traditional female pose where he's like looking over his shoulder and the wasp gets like the traditional like male hero pose, which I kind of like that they did that. But again, that caused, uh, because every, again, people have issues with everything that caused the thing online, but I did like that. Oh, I didn't even, I didn't even notice that. I don't even, I don't even uh, see, see gender. Not on my, not on my agenda. Oh, but, um, tsh. oh, Lucas, I think that th this whole podcast has been leading up to that. I think, yeah. we, I think I've peaked. You, yeah. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> back to the more uh, like serious note, what you were saying. Um, yeah, I think it's good that they've done that and that they really, um, like hammer home that they are equals rather than just like, oh yeah, this is your sidekick. Cause like, usually that's what the, traditionally that's what happens to female characters who are not even a sidekick, just a love interest, which Hope never was in the first movie, but it's cool to have her have like actual powers and be an actual superhero as well. Right. And I do like, uh, there's a real, when um, she goes into the suit for the first time, her suit's really cool. Cause it obviously has wings so she can fly. Um, it's really, I like what Scott's like, oh, did you, was that a new thing that you just didn't have with my suit? And Hank's like, no, I just chose not to give you wings. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was really funny. They, they, it's it's funnier when Paul Rudd and Michael Douglas say it, but it's just a very funny, like, also, there's a funny thing that in this film, because uh, uh, Scott's suit keeps malfunctioning. So sometimes he goes kind of small, but he's like yeah. child size. And then, or he goes really big and can't. Stop! Like he can't control it at some points, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, um, actually, I just remembered that you asked me which one of their suits I liked better, and I was thinking about it. And I think I do like his suit more, just for the fact that it can go giant and go small as well. Just because I, I think that's what makes like their powers more unique. Um, I like that she can fly, and that's cool that they have like slightly different things, and she has like the stingers as well. But I think if I had to pick one, it would be the Ant Man one. Oh, see, I'd go Wasp. I think flying would be cool. And I, I do like it because they do balance each other because they're, like you said, their suits both do something different. So one's not more powerful than the other. They are very much, they bring a balance to that team. Um, and uh, Lucas, before we start wrapping up, uh, what do you think you're, there's a lot of fun action sequences in this movie. Um, I, my personal favorite, I really like the car chase, especially when Michael Pena gets the car and he's excited because he gets to choose the, out of the, like the hot wheels because oh, they yeah, can shrink the cars little, and make them go bigger. Hot wheels case. Uh, what do you think your favorite scene out of the movie is? Just scene in general? Yeah. Um, I really like, uh, when Sonny, I think his name's Sonny Walton Goggins character, um, brings the, uh potion that's like not a truth serum but is definitely a truth serum to the um to michael Pena and the boys because i like that entire conversation and that obviously like segues into his um recapping everything but i like the like yes. debate i like that group and the debate around like oh it's definitely a truth serum oh no it's not and i just like the way that uh, walton goggins plays off them as well because he just seems so confused Yes. And then uh, that ends up paying off later because the guy that was like, it's not a truth serum later, they give it to that guy and he's like, oh my god, this is a truth serum. Like, it's, it is, it's a very fun conversation. Yeah, and I think what makes these movies stand out from the other, like, 
air quotes, because you, obviously you can't see me, air quotes, funny movies in the MCU is that um, there's different types of humor in the MCU movies. So obviously in like Thor Ragnarok, you have that very like New Zealand, like ironic sense of humor. But I like that the sense of humor in Ant-Man and the Wasp and Ant-Man is like all the side characters just have such distinct personalities. And it really makes yes. like every scene feel like it's standing out and like entertaining. Yes. I mean, honestly, I actually, I actually think Michael Pena's character might be one of my favorite ones in the whole MCU. That, that's like, you a, know what I mean? Like a big statement. <laughs> that is, but he's just, he's very funny. And I forgot again, cause I watched the first one, the, the Baskin Robbins joke in the first one, for whatever reason, that always just cracks me up way more than it possibly should. And I just like the way Michael Pena goes, Baskin Robbins always knows or always finds out or however he says it, but it's just very funny. Something, something um, about that just rings true to you. It does. Oh, it's just very funny. Um, all right. Well, Lucas, thank you for talking Ant-Man and the Wasp. Before wait, wait. we wrap up... Oh, okay. Oh, go. What's your favorite scene? Oh, I like the car chase where they uh, go small oh, yeah, and you, go big. You did and then, that. Sorry. Yeah. And then oh, I also like when um, Hope's trying to find stuff to throw uh, at their pursuers and she ends up blowing up the Hello Kitty Pez dispenser, like really big. Yeah, I like um, that. But I mean, that, that is part of the car chase as well. It's a long yes. scene. It is a very long scene. And I really love car chases. Like, the, if you have a car chase in your film, A, I probably already automatically love your film because I have an unhealthy obsession with car chases. I think they're great. They're great action scenes. They're the reason I love the Fast and Furious franchise. But also, they did it in um, San Francisco, uh, which obviously a lot of famous car chases have taken place in San Francisco because you have like gone in 60 seconds, but I think the sting also took place uh, in San Francisco. So automatically it's that kind of like throwback to, Hey, we know the streets of San Francisco, the way they are, they're great for car chase scenes. And this movie kind of shows why as well. And I like that the car shrinks and then she uses it like to go big, to get another car off of them. And they end up, anytime you flip a car, you probably have me sold on your film, to be honest. I love it. And then it's there's weird. the part where he's like, um, using the the truck as like a skateboard as well yes that's a lot of fun yeah because again his suit malfunctions so he keeps like and he, he's like big enough to use it as like that so i don't know i really love the car chase and it is it's a very i think it's like a 20 minute sequence it's it's a long yeah sequence. actually when you asked me about action scenes i was like is there another action scene in the movie i think there is but there's a couple there's a couple there's uh hope i also like hope's fight with yeah. Like her first encounter oh, yeah, with Walton Goggins and his goons. Yeah, because yeah. and that's that's the first time we get to see the suit, her suit. Um, and she's obvious. Uh, like that scene's a, a very close second, but I really like the car chase scene. Um, yeah. Again, because I'm because again, I'm a sucker for car chases. It goes back to Raiders of the Lost Ark and that fantastic uh, truck sequence. So, um, not that anybody cares. Sorry, Lucas. <laughs> I mean, if they're Courtney, if they're listening to your film podcast, they probably do care. So. They probably do. They probably eventually, do. Thanks, when man. I know you, I know you were teasing me, but eventually, when F, when Fast and Furious Nine comes out, I will be doing a whole episode on the Fast and Furious franchise. I don't uh, want this to be like New Mutants, though. I don't think you know. I don't think any new movies are coming out. There's my there's don't my there's my hot take. Ever don't don't make don't make me cry. Don't make me cry, Lucas. I was actually because well, as I was wrapping up, I was going to ask you what you're doing during the quarantine, and if you have any other quarantine like fun quarantine movie recommendations, even like some of the scarier ones. But if you're just going to be mean about movies, if you're going to be pessimistic, I don't want to hear about it. I mean, I can, I can, sure, I can do that. Is that what you're going to ask me? 
That was that is what I'm going to ask you. So, uh, what what do what are you doing during the quarantine? Um, like to stay busy and. Well, I'm quite uh, lucky because my my job um, because I'm a post production assistant at a children's entertainment company. If my job's still going and I can do it from home, so I do like um, sound editing and like video editing. So we've actually got more busy because. Um, more people are at home trying now. to produce more content right yeah so more people are at home now so we we've gotten more busy um so yeah i've been working five days a week still which is nice because i know a lot of people are like i don't know what to do at the time and i think that would make me personally just feel very like unproductive and like i don't know what i'm doing but besides that yeah i've been uh watching things we have a nice garden so i've just been playing with the dog and stuff uh do some writing in my free time as you know i also uh play some dungeons and dragons so been doing that a lot that's that's a very time consuming hobby so yeah that's what well, I've been doing. I mean I was about to say but I mean but like honestly Lucas I think like out of all the people I've talked with I think like you are actually living your best like work from home quarantine life yeah not much is, of my like actual workflow has changed which is nice um yeah obviously I'd prefer to be going to work and doing it because I like having that separation but considering the other the situation that other people are in i'm very lucky um yeah so that's good <laughs> um and and before i officially officially wrap up uh do you do you have any other movie recommendations quarantine movie recommendations even if it's like a scary zombie movie or yeah, a zombie fun, movie. another fun one um, well i mean those tend to be the ones that i think like a lot of people are recommend like world war z and, yeah and stuff I, like that i don't know i think the stuff that um I've been watching. I haven't really watched anything new. Like we, we watched, uh, we rewatched uh, Hercules. We watched The Black Cauldron, which um, Georgina had never seen, and I'd only seen once. Um, this was on oh. Disney Plus. Um, the Black Cauldron was yeah. fine. I remember really liking it when I was a kid because I really liked like design of the villain and the art and stuff in it is still great. But it's it's an okay movie. It's it's nothing to write home about. Um, I was say, I think the Black Cauldron used to scare me. Yeah, it is. I haven't it seen it in forever. Of, like it is kind of scary for kids, and like the one of the main plot points is they want to kill the pig, which um, is weird. And then like there's also like, oh yes, everyone will die, and you'll have an army of the dead. I can see like why kids didn't like it. Um, right. But what I will say is my quarantine recommendation, and this is very uh, tentatively loose to uh, link to quarantine is um, Shrek, which we recently watched, because Fiona is self-isolating in the tower. She is self-isolating in the tower. How does, how does, I haven't seen, I have not seen the first Shrek in forever. How, she doesn't really do much, does she? She just, it's she's just waiting. She waits, there's the dragon around her. I don't know. How she she get, naps? I don't, I don't know what she does. She has like, I think she has a book, like, how does she eat? Uh, I don't know what she's doing. So she has the patience of a saint. She does, yes. Well, and then she has to deal she, with Shrek, so we know she has the patience of the singing. Yeah, and she practices. I mean, she knows karate, so I assume she like practices karate and singing. Those are two good hobbies you can get into from your home. That's true. That's a, Lucas. I like that. That's a good recommendation. There you go. Everyone, go watch Shrek. I'm sure you've seen it before. I was about to say so. So what we've got from this episode so for Lucas, Dungeons and Dragons, or not Dungeons and yeah, Dungeons and Dragons. Why right? not? Why not? Yeah. Exactly. Reading, writing, watching movies, Shrek. and then, you know, what, Shrek, Shrek was the recommendation. I've been playing my uh, Nintendo Switch, which I know is very, a lot of people have been getting Switches. 
So yeah. They're sold out. Yeah. I went I mean, to go I went to go potentially buy a Switch Lite and they're sold out. Yeah, well, like, it's because the new Animal Crossing came out, which I haven't gotten, and I probably won't, just because I'm not into those sort of games. But, um, yeah, I think with this quarantine, like, a bunch of people, because they know I have a Switch, been asking me if it's worth getting one. I'm like, yeah, of course. But it seems like everyone's had the idea to just get it because it's entertaining. Well, Lucas, I think even I asked you if it was worth yeah. getting. I was one of those people. Yeah, so get a Switch. Have fun. There you go. Well, Lucas, thank you very much for coming on to talk Ant-Man and the Wasp, which everybody, if you need a fun quarantine movie, it's a lot of fun. Like I said, you could watch uh, Paul Rudd is fantastic as Scott Lang. I would recommend both Ant-Man movies, but this one definitely because, again, he learns the close-up magic, just that joke in general makes this movie worthwhile. Other things do, obviously, what we talked about, but uh, again, Scott's living his best house arrest life. Uh, But Lucas, thank you. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I think he uh, handles it pretty well, and I think he's supposed to have been in there for like two years, so hold, yeah. hold out hope, everyone. Hopefully it's not two years. Exactly. And I should actually, I should say, this movie's coming on like his last two or three days of him being under house arrest, so honestly, maybe hold this movie towards the end, because he's at the, he's towards the end of his quarantine, so once we get to the end of our stay at home, you know, like, you could see, when you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. This will be the movie to watch because he's very positive about those last few. Yeah, actually, Scott handles it very, very well. What a what a positive force. Exactly. Well, Lucas, thank you again for coming on to talk Ant-Man and the Wasp. I do appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. I, I always love having you on, Lucas. I, I know. I'm probably, uh, I may not be the best at the 30. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I just burped in the mic. I may not be um, the best at the 30 second summaries, but I probably hold the record for the most. So, I think so. I think was that a challenge to Wade and and or Maddie or Mom? Sure, sure. I'm challenge. I'm challenging people now. Every time I come on, they're more antagonistic. I know. I'm starting feuds for people. It's fantastic. I love it. You're, just, uh, you're, well, you're like you're desperately uh, trying to get people to fight. <laughs> I am. It's not taking. I don't like it. Although actually, it is taking a little bit with Maddie and Wade. They they had some uh, Twitter gif like a gif off. Which was a lot of fun. That I, I think I can, I'm I'm good to stay away from that. <laughs> Lucas, you're like I'm fine. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> like, <good>. I'm good. <laughs> uh, well, thank you again, Lucas, and thank you guys for listening again. This has been Ghost Facing It Quarantine Edition, where we're talking favorite movies with some of my favorite people. Um, like I said, the whole month we'll be recommending great movies to watch under quarantine, where the characters, are the, some fun movies where the characters are also at some point kind of self-isolated for some reason. But thank you guys for listening. We'll be back next week. And until then, I will talk to you later. Bye.